Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We started last week, we, we talked about the Holy Spirit and just kind of did an introduction of Old Testament. The heart of God in the Old Testament was to show us, yes, Messiah is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is going to come, he's going to do his thing, and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon all people. And so we kind of worked through Ezekiel, and as we worked through Ezekiel, what we saw was in Ezekiel 18, Ezekiel's preaching a message of you better clean yourself up, you better get right with the Lord, you better get a new heart, you better get a new spirit, and we're all like, that seems impossible. Our best attempts aren't going to do that. And then what we see is something changes. That language was to set the table to say we wouldn't be able to do it. Then Ezekiel's going to preach a message in Ezekiel 36 that says, the Lord says, I'll give you a new heart, I'll give you a new spirit, I'll put my spirit in you so that you walk in my ways, I'll clean you up, right? And so then he goes to Ezekiel 37, Valley of Dry Bones, and he's like telling Ezekiel to talk to the dry bones, he's caught up in this vision, the bones are all coming together, they're getting flesh on them, and it says they had the appearance of essentially being alive, but they were still dead and powerless. And what we saw was, They looked the part, but until the Spirit of God came in them, they were still dead. And so we talked about how the Spirit of God, that's a taste in the Old Testament for what would come in the New Testament through Jesus' death and resurrection. Amen? So this is where we're at. I want to go deeper now. I want to go deeper in what this looks like. What does all of this mean? We, We use the words infilling, dwelling, baptism of the Holy Spirit, What does all of that mean? I just want to confess something to you this morning. There is so much about the Holy Spirit that I have no idea about. Amen? Anybody else out there? Is there experts? Okay. So there's a lot about the Holy Spirit. I read in Scripture a lot about the Holy Spirit. And I read words like filling. He fills you. He indwells you. There's baptism of the Holy Spirit. He comes upon you. He anoints you. I read all of these things. I'm like, oh, Lord, like there's so much language of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. So I don't know if I know all of it, but one thing I do know, and that is this. We don't live out our faith unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Unless the power of the Holy Spirit, Scripture's gonna talk about it over and over. Unless we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are not living faith to the fullest, amen. So here's the the part of the problems. When you start talking about Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, depending on what stream you grew up in, it's been, he's been labeled like, well, that's the charismatic people, come on. That's Pentecostal people. And, and so what's happened is, is we've somehow labeled the Holy Spirit, which you'll see, and I'll show you in Scripture today, as somehow only attached to a group of charismatic Pentecostal folks. And I want to say today, the Holy Spirit is the Christian life. He is the Christian life. Whether you're Reformed, and you grew up Reformed, and you're like, oh man, this is really weird you're talking about Holy Spirit to me today. Whether you grew up charismatic, where you grew up Pentecostal, whether you grew up mainstream denominationalism, or whether you grew up with a Catholic background or no background, there's a theme that you're going to see over and over and over in Scripture. The Holy Spirit has come to empower his bride. The Holy Spirit has come to convict the bride of sin. The Holy Spirit has come to speak the truth of who Jesus is. So all of us in this room need to take note. Doesn't matter what, what way in which you grew up, I want to show you through the word how important the Holy Spirit is. 
Many times I've heard Christians use this language um, as they've gone through their Christian journey. They've prayed, Jesus, Jesus, the, the way I read scripture and the way I read your heart and the way that I see your life, they don't seem to match up, right? Like if you read about Jesus, how many of you guys are like, wow, Jesus was on a whole different level? Anybody out there read that? Only one person thinks Jesus was on a different level? Okay. Y'all are real good. Like when I read, I'm like, wow, Jesus is on a whole different level. Then I read about the apostles, and I read about, about, about guys like Paul, and I'm like, these guys were on a whole different level. And so what we do is we go, man, Jesus was on a different level. The disciples were on a different level. And then we settle for the level of Christianity that we're living in now. Here's the problem. Jesus says when you read scripture, whoever claims to live in me must live as Jesus did. So here we've positioned Jesus at a level that like I'll never live up to and yet scripture is very, very pointed in saying if you're going to claim to live in Jesus, you better live like he did. And all of a sudden you're going, well how in the world do I do that? How do I love like him? How do I be bold like him? How do I walk in power like him? How do I say no to the things of the flesh, to the things of the world like he did? He's tempted in every way, didn't give in. He's brutally ridiculed and slandered, but he loves people. For boldness, he never backs down from anybody. As for power, well, we know he's putting guys' ears back on, doing anything he wants to do, amen? Like he's powerful. And so I'm reading this going, Lord, how do I walk in that? If I'm supposed to live like Jesus, how do I walk in that? And what we know is simply this, that our love affair with Jesus will get the work done. It's not about my striving. I'm not chasing after these things because somehow I think they're going to be better for me. What I'm doing is I'm pressing into the Lord. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Here's what happens. When, 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 when we feel like things are uncomfortable in our life, we try to squelch them or quench them. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? We quench what we don't know or fully understand. We, we, we try to put, put that out. When it, when it gets uncomfortable, something that we don't fully understand, we try to put it out of our life or outside. When something's outside of our comfort zone, we try to push that to the side. And I'm just, I'm gonna say this, and, and, and you know what I'm talking about. Like when things get uncomfortable, especially things in your Christian life, you're like, yeah, yeah, I love Jesus. I just don't love that part, right? Because it's uncomfortable. And I just want to say this to you so that all of us are on the same playing field here. Hanging with Jesus, FYI, would have made you massively uncomfortable. Hanging with Jesus. He's healing people, people rising from their grave. People's eyes are growing back. All of these things would have been like, oh, this might be outside my theology, right? And what you're seeing is hanging with Jesus might have made you massively uncomfortable, got you out of your comfort zone, probably would have offended your comfort zone. This is, this is true of Jesus, his mother and his brothers, his own family. In Mark chapter 3, verse 21, we see they were a little bit weird. They knew he was the son of God. Obviously, Mary knew that. She was Cloaked by the Holy Spirit, she conceived Jesus. Obviously, his brothers knew there was something special about this kid. But it says in Mark 3, 21, Jesus has been doing miracles. He's stirring up the region. People are like, whoa, like we kind of like it, but this is outside of our comfort zone. Mark 3, 21, it says, and when his family heard it, his mother's brothers, they went out to seize him for they were saying, he's out of his mind. He's out of his, our brother's out of his mind. 
And so what's happening here is what we're seeing in Scripture is this. There are things that are going to war against our comfort level. And so what we do is we just simply throw them out, quench them, or, or put them to the side. Right, church? Come on. We're all guilty of it. Let me say something, though, about the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine Holy Spirit showing up in the upper room, and it says tongues as if fire were on their shoulders, and they're going, that's way too uncomfortable. Get off of me. Hold, right, tongue of fire, whatever. Or can you imagine when Jesus is, is, is healing people, the disciples are healing people in the power of the Holy Spirit and crippled people are getting up or people that, 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 that had some ailment are getting up and they're like, no, 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 that makes me really uncomfortable. You didn't have legs, now you do. Sit back down, that's weird. Or can you imagine when dead people are being raised from the grave or dead people are being brought back to life and that's so out of our comfort zone and we want to be really cautious, right? That's how we are. Oh, I just want to be really cautious. And we all know, you need to go back to your grave because that's just weird me out right now. It's crazy to think about that just because it's outside of my comfort zone, somehow I want to push it to the side. Amen, church. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our schools, to transform our homes, to transform our neighborhoods, to transform our workplaces. We don't need to be squelching or quenching the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me say this, and this is important. In John 16, 13, it says, the Spirit glorifies the Son. This is not for your glory, and this is not for my glory. We're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit so that somehow we can glorify ourselves. This isn't about you and I. This is about the Spirit of God inside you and I to glorify one person. It ain't you, it's Jesus, amen? The Spirit glorifies the Son. This is our goal as believers. How do I bring God the most glory? And he's going, get filled with the Spirit. Now let's just do a real quick lesson then on the Holy Spirit indwelling. If you remember last week, we talked about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then we went to Luke 24, 49. Jesus is going to say the same thing. He's resurrected. He says, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are, everybody say clothed. Clothed with power from on high. So then the question becomes, when do I receive the Holy Spirit? When does the Holy Spirit come upon me? I want to do just a little bit of work on this. Ephesians 1.13 says, when you believed, somebody say, I believed. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and the glory of God. So when you believed, then you read 1 Corinthians 12.3. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. I can't even confess Jesus is Lord without the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you read Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Pentecost has come. Peter's fired up. They come roaring out of the upper room. He's preaching his message. And man, it's just on fire. And everybody's heart's getting cut. And it says they were cut to the heart. And the, 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 the people that were hearing the message said, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off. He's talking about us. He sends for you, for your children, for all of us in this room who are far off. That was us. He was believing the Holy Spirit for you and I. Everyone, he says, whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That's important to note. The Holy Spirit didn't stop 
after the age of the church, the first day of the church, he's still actively out there today in our hearts. Amen? Now, why is that important? Because then you go back down to Romans 8, and you see Romans 8, 16. Read the whole chapter, but 16 is good. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. The only way that I know that I'm a part of God's family is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. What do all of these scripture verses, if you were just to, to, to put them all together, what do they all mean? What they all mean is that if you're in this room and you're a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in your life. You could not say yes to the Lord without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is in your life. Now, where do we go from here? Scripture then begins to bring some things in that should make us all go, okay, what's he talking about now? Acts 19, Paul comes on the scene, goes to Ephesus, he finds some disciples, listen, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And what he's going to find out is there's men and women that are following Jesus that have been baptized, but he asked the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of, uh, uh, baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. So they were baptized, right, in repentance to follow Jesus. So you got these men and women going, we love Jesus, we love Jesus. And they're missing out on something. Look what happened. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Go, go forward a little bit in Acts. The same thing happens to John and Peter in Acts 8, 14. They were going to Jerusalem, men and women, or I'm sorry, they were going to Samaria. They had heard that people were being stirred with the gospel. Men and women were giving their lives to Jesus. They were being baptized in Jesus, and it says, that from Jerusalem, Peter and John set out to go to Samaria. And it says, they came down and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in verse 16. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Let me just, let me take this and put it all together, okay? So there's this indication that there's these People of Jesus walking in him, disciples of Jesus, men and women that are walking in their baptism of repentance of sin. But they had not yet tasted the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is all this important? You've got disciples who made their confession in Jesus, but he's saying, wait, wait, you're about to get clothed on high with power. You've got Peter and John and, and Paul telling believers, look, you've received Jesus, but you're about to get clothed on power from high. So it seems that there's this infilling that's happening these people. There's this indwelling of the Spirit that's happening these people after they've received Jesus. What does all this mean for us? What, what does this mean for our life? How do we get this? Let me, let me tell you, the role for you and I in this place today is simply to seek Him and surrender to Him. Seek Him and surrender to Him. And then you're going to see something happen. Paul's gonna explain what he was telling the Ephesian believers in Acts chapter 19. He was, he's gonna tell us what he was telling them here in Ephesians 1. This is the letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus. He says, 
In Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit, Holy Spirit, of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He's like, I'm going to pray for you and I to have our eyes opened that we may know through the power of the Holy Spirit who Jesus really is because he's going to change everything. Now he goes on. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power. Somebody say great power. For who? Say me. For us who believe. That power is the same mighty power, the same strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him head over everything for the church. Listen, the church, who's part of the church in this house? Every hand up in this room, every hand. You're the church, say I'm the church. He did all of these things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Church, you're the fullness of Jesus. You're the fullness of the Lord. Here's the thing. I don't think we fully understand what that means because there's nobody like, uh, right? We're the fullness of God. We get to manifest the fullness of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Is that exciting to any? any? Okay. okay, good. Okay, because I gotta tell you something. This is really difficult. I'm like, Lord, how come I'm not living this out? I'm supposed to be the fullness of God. And I'm reading this book by a guy named Reese Howells. It's called The Intercessor. It's messing me up. John gave it to me, messing my life. I'm really, really how unsurrendered I am to the Lord. As I'm reading chapter after chapter, I'm like, Lord, I am so unsurrendered. I'm weeping, going, God, I thought I knew you. I'm so unsurrendered. I won't give you these places. He's like, I know, I know, but I still love you. I still love you. And so here's what I want you to see. Paul is praying this prayer that their eyes would be open to the wisdom and the revelation of Jesus. And when they get that wisdom and revelation of Jesus, their lives will be radically transformed. L- listen to this, church. I want you to hear this. When he says in verse 3 that all of this for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, and we're his body, I'm going to say it again. We are supposed to be manifesting the fullness of him on planet earth. And I read this quote, and it just cut me to the heart. It says, we are rich in Jesus, amen? We are rich in Jesus, and we're living like poor men and women in the spirit. He prayed these three things, that their eyes would be opened. He said to these three things, that their eyes would be enlightened, number one, to the hope of, everybody say, his calling. We are so much after our own destiny and our own calling. Did you notice that? We chase after our own calling, our own destiny, and we slap God on it. And at the end of the day, what he's praying is that you realize that you're called to the hope of God's calling, not your calling. And when you find God's calling, you'll find your calling inside of his. Why? Because it says in Scripture that the real you is hidden in Christ anyways. 
Jesus is calling us to his life. Paul would say, I'm going to imitate the Lord. He said, he'll say, imitate me, for I imitate Christ. We are supposed to be a part of his calling. But then he goes on. He says, not only do I want your eyes enlightened to his calling, not your calling. In other words, get off your own thing. He says, I also want you to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Everybody say, his inheritance. Look, Jesus is the one who gets the inheritance. And then when he gets the inheritance, he loves us enough to say, now I'm going to let you be co-heirs with me. It's his glory. It's his inheritance. And when he gets it, he loves you and I enough to say, you get to share in it with me because I love you. Church, sometimes we're so bent on what's mine, 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 we forget it's all his, 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 his. His calling, his inheritance. And we just get to share in it with him. But the third part that he says in verse 21, he says, I pray that your eyes would be open and enlightened to his, everybody say power. His power. Why would he say that? He just wants to dismiss it? No, he said, I want you to know his power. The same power that raised Christ from the grave lives in you. It's the same power that raises dead people, the same power that raises dead marriages, the same power that raises dead circumstances lives inside of you, church. Amen? He says this is what it looks like when we come to the understanding of being the fullness of God. That resurrection power lives in you. What are we doing with it? How are we living it out? And This is what Paul would give his life to. In Philippians, when he would say, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And he would say these words, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. So how do we lay hold of this? He tells us in his word, how do we lay hold of this? We hunger and we thirst. He says it. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, and what's going to happen? You will be, you will be, you will be, you will be filled. This section over here, you're the fullness of the Lord. This section, you're the fullness of the Lord. You're the fullness of the Lord. You're the fullness of the Lord. And when we hunger and thirst for his righteousness, we will be filled. If you feel empty right now, if you feel depleted right now, maybe we're hungering and thirsting for the wrong things. But when we hunger and thirst for his things, not only will we be filled, we will live out the fullness of the Lord. It's a big deal. We're just getting started. I read this quote, and I love this. A guy was talking about hunger, and he said, salvation is free. Yes and amen? Free gift of God, but spiritual hunger is how we access more. How do we know that? Because the Lord's gonna say it. Seek me, you'll find me. Go after me. Dig in. Be persistent. Pray. Knock, 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 knock on that door until I open it up. He's going, you want more? You want more? You be, you be spiritually hungry and thirsty for my things, and I'll just keep filling you up. Salvation is free. Spiritual hunger opens up the doors. Listen, hunger, if you're really gonna be hungry, he's gonna touch your schedule. He goes on and says this. Hunger's gonna touch your schedule. Because what you're hungry for, you'll give your time to. What you're hungry for, you'll give your time to. And when you fall in love with Jesus and you hunger for him, all these other side relationships you've been, we've been doing in our life, it's like all of a sudden they're just starting to take a back seat. People are going to be like, I thought you liked me. And you're like, I do, but I love Jesus more. I love him more. Your work's going to go, I thought you wanted to have success. 
right? I thought you want to have sex. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about in your own heart. Your work's going to rise up and go, don't you want to climb that? And you're like, oh, but I want Jesus more. I want Jesus more. We hunger and we thirst. Why, why is this important? Let me just get to the nitty gritty. Why is this important? Because in John 7, 37, Jesus tells us something that I don't know that we fully comprehend. Jesus stood up. He's amongst this crowd. Jesus stood up and he cried out. Now it's important that it says he cried out because I'm loud anyways, amen? I'm just loud. I'm not one of those like, hey guys, the Lord loves you, so be better about yourselves. That's just not me. It's not my heart. It's not who I am. So I'm okay with it. I'm going to embrace that, okay? Jesus stands up. He cries out. That doesn't mean what he's about to say is, hey guys, I have an important principle you need to know here. He cries out. And this is what he says. If anyone is thirsty, anybody thirsty in this house today? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. And then all of us are going, I want rivers of living waters. Everybody's pumped up. And he says, oh, let me tell you what that river of living water is. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. What he's saying is simply this, that there's gonna come a time after I'm glorified and I go to heaven where the Spirit of the Lord is gonna be poured out on all people and you're gonna have living waters rushing out of you. You're going to have living rivers of water pouring out of you. People will take notice of the living water that's coming out of you. The best analogy that I can give you is if you shot somebody with a fire hydrant right now, they'd be like. You're walking down your cul-de-sac. Living waters are coming out of you. Your neighbor's approaching you. And they're going, this guy loves me. I don't know who he is, but he loves me. You're walking, and your neighbor's going, oh, that, that family's full of joy. That's crazy. I don't know who that family is, but I want to hang with them. They feel the living waters coming out of you. Amen? They, they sense there's something different about that family. There's something different about that person. There's living waters coming out of them. These people will have the river of life come out of them. That's what he says. And this is why he says, it's better that I go to your advantage that I go so that the Holy Spirit will come because unless I go, he will not come. And when I send him, he will enter into you and you will have springs of living water. I just, I'm almost done. That's not true. Um, when you have springs of living water in you, People don't have to tell you to, 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 to try to live a better Christian life. Like springs of living water in you, like there's springs of living. You guys remember the song? I've got a river of life flowing. Makes the to walk and the blind to see. Opens, sets the captives free. I've got a river of flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well, goose, 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 goose. And then all the cool kids left youth group right there. Like all the people are like, we're checking it out. Are like, you Christians are weird. 
Literally, at just mass exodus. They're like, if that's what, you're weird. Here's what they didn't know. I, I used to sing that song all the time. Had no idea where it came from. Thought somebody made it up from one of the Psalms maybe. I had no idea that it came from John 7, 37, where Jesus said that there's going to be rivers of living life that come out of you. And when you're around people, it's gonna be like wells that are springing up in you. I had no idea. So I'm singing that song on, oh, this guy's clever, whoever came up with this. It was Jesus. And he says it, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors. We've been set with that same mandate. We're supposed to go around praying healing over people, setting the captives free, preaching the gospel, and seeing hearts transformed. Amen? For his glory. For his glory. Not so we're puffed up and like, look what I did, healed a couple people. It's Jesus, you get the glory. I'm humble, man. I'm staying back. Nobody will know my name. They won't know that I prayed over them, but you're going to get the glory. You're going to get the glory. Ah. When that's in you, no one's going to have to tell me. When that river's in me, no one's going to have to tell me, Aaron, you should love Jesus a little bit more. He's in me. No one's going to have to tell me, Aaron, you should probably try to love other people a little bit more. Can I just tell you, church, we spend most of our time, like we spend most of our time right now trying to go, hey, so here's how to be a better Christian. Hey, here's how to maybe live a little bit better. Here's how to get a little bit more love in your life. And the Lord's like, are we still there? Like there are rivers of life waiting to come out of you. Come on. There are rivers. And look, I struggle with this. There are days, man, where I get this. Like there, there's days where I'm like, okay, I get it. There are months and years where I don't. Amen? There are months and years where I'm like, I forgot. I forgot. But that one day where that river of life comes out, you're like, ah, oh, spring up a well. Goosh, 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 goosh. Like you fit, you, amen? Okay, I'm done with that. You can see a difference from that person who's lived a good life, grew up in church, gave their life to Jesus at 14, got baptized, whatever, whatever, went through confirmation, and they're just like, man, I, I just, I, I live a good life. That's what I do. I live a good life, and I pray at the end of the day, I'll hear those final words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I live a good life. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yes and amen. Or I've got a river of life. I live a good life, or I've got a river of life that flows out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. This is what I believe Jesus was talking about when he said, be a light to the world in a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Okay. Finishes up, Acts 19. He's telling the Ephesian believers in Ephesians 3, for this reason, Paul's like, ah, I want you to know this so much that I'm gonna kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with what? Power. Everybody say it. Power. Through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have, everybody say power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, I'm gonna say it again, filled to the measure of the fullness of God. This is what he's talking about. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I pray that you'd be filled, that you'd be filled that you'd be filled, that you'd be filled. I've been pastoring for 20 years, and I'm praying for a church to be filled with the power of God. And then I say, and I'm like, Lord, ah, I'm a screw up. How am I gonna get filled? And he goes, don't worry, I got you. 
Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more, verse 20, than all we could ask or imagine. Like, Aaron, if you screw it up, I can do more than you think. According to your power, Aaron, what does he say? His power that's at work within us. He's going to work it out. It's he gets the glory. He's going to work it out. His power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So how do we get there? What is this? Is this a complicated thing? Like, I've grown up. I don't care. There's muddled water in here. Some of you guys are like, I grew up Reformed and Catholic and, you know, Pentecostal and charismatic. I, look, I could care less about what it is that you were. T- All I know is Scripture says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. How it happens and, and it, maybe your experience was, oh, man, I saw people do this or I saw people do this. I can tell you this. I was 22 years old. <laughs> grew up in church my whole life. I was a youth pastor. I was in Colorado. I remember it. I was a youth pastor. I took the youth there. I love Jesus. I did. I love Jesus. Didn't know what I was doing, but I love Jesus. And I remember we got down on our faces and we prayed, and I've shared this story with you before, but I got down on my face and I prayed. And I said, Jesus, we're supposed to just do this prayer for a little bit. And I was just praying to the Lord and we're just waiting on the Lord. I remember getting up and thinking, oh man, that was the quickest prayer ever. It was 15 minutes. We'd been praying for two and a half hours, didn't even realize it. How many know when you're caught up in the things of God, time just seems to cease? And I got up and, and it was two hours and the kids got up and it was two hours. I don't know if any of these kids have prayed for more than three minutes. And they got up and they're like, whoa, we just prayed for two hours. And then the, the guy who was standing there says, how many want to be filled with the Spirit? I just remember opening my hands going, Father, I know your word. I've searched it out. And you say it's available, so fill me up. I didn't fall down. I didn't get blown back. I didn't run around. I got filled with this peace and joy and love and boldness that no one will take from me for the rest of my life. That was for me. And for 22 years, I've been growing, trying to understand what that looks like. Just boldness raging in my heart. Mm. I had a gentleman come in this week. He's a leader in the city. He would be a cessationist. He doesn't believe the gifts are, for most of his life, he was a cessationist. Leads people in Jesus. And a few months back, he started saying, something just seems wrong, man. I feel like I'm preaching the word, and there's something that's missing. And he said, hey, can I come meet with you? I've, I've heard about reliance. I said, well, I hope it's good things. He says, I hear that the spirit of God is alive. So he comes and he sits down and he says, can you tell me about Holy Spirit? He says, my whole life I've believed that the gifts were done. My whole life I've not believed in the Holy Spirit. I've taught people this. And he said, but then something happened. I started doing the Berean thing. I started searching the scriptures for myself. Not what people said. I just started looking at the scriptures. And he said, my whole life was opened up that the Holy Spirit and his power is all over the place. And the Holy Spirit starts working on his heart. And he's like, if there's power, I want it in you, Jesus, for your glory. If there's something more that I'm missing, I want it for your glory. And he's like, would you tell me? And so I shared. I'm like, oh, you just turned us loose, man. So we started sharing. There was a roaring in the room as we're talking. And man, my heart was just for this brother. And he was telling me a story about his family. 
He said, my wife, and I asked him if I could share this. He said, my wife didn't believe in anything with the Holy Spirit. Like, she knew it was part of the Trinity, but that, that was it. Like, if you start talking about getting passionate for the Lord, out. Emotion for the Lord, out. Like, healings, out. So he's like, that's just her heart. That's just where she was. She was Bible gal, but nothing with Holy Spirit. And the, the kids were the same way. They're older. And he's like, how do I get my family to understand where I'm at? And so he said, would you sit down? There's a, there's a kind of a revival stirring in a church right now um, here in America. And, and anyways, they have a live stream on Wednesday nights. And he was like, would you guys watch this live stream with me? We'll just this, like our, our, we'll dip our toe in the water, right? So they sit down and they start watching this live stream. Wife sitting on the couch. Kids, you know, like, what are we doing, Dad? This is weird. Guy gets up on the live stream says, I want to pray healing over somebody's life. He said, I feel like there's somebody who's watching right now who's got terrible foot pain, specifically spoken to it. His wife had that exact pain and that exact symptom. He, she's sitting there. He kind of does the glance out the side of his eye like, Holy Spirit, if you're going to show up, now's the time. Like, I'm, I told you I'm in. I've been cessationist my whole life. I'm in. You better show up, you know, kind of thing. And he says, he looks over at her. She kind of begins to soften. The guy's like, if that's you, stand up. She kind of does the, they're in their living room, right? Stand up. She's standing in faith. She doesn't even know if she believes this. He comes up, puts his hand on her. Guy prays for her. He's laying his hands on his wife. Foot pain, gone, gone, gone. Not just that night. This, now I'm telling you, he's not, like this dude's, whole life she's whole life been cessationist they're not making something up she's like all i know is i had pain it's gone next morning wakes up gone next day wakes up been three weeks gone had tremendous couldn't even run because of the foot pain now his boys come in mom's like you better get used to this we are holy spirit people this is the way it is god confirmed it through his word now this brother is hungry He's hungry. He's like, can we get guys together like-minded and pray for the city? I'm like, let's do it. Wow. Okay, hang with me. Two more minutes. So what do we do? What do we do? Yeah, we are because I want Holy Spirit to come right now. I don't want to do this again and again and again and again. I do want to do it again and again and again. I'm, I'm a liar. I do. But I, I want him to come. I want him to get, steal your heart right now. How do we, what do we do? Jesus says, you ask. Just ask me. And so he gives the analogy in Luke 11. And in Luke 11, we see the the guy comes knocking on the door, remember, at the midnight hour. Hey, 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 buddy, 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 I need three loaves of bread. It's midnight. My kids are in bed. Buddy, 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 I need three loaves of bread. Who does that at midnight? Three loaves of bread, please. He's like, and and, and the guy says, we're in bed. We're not going to get up. But the guy wouldn't stop knocking. You remember it? And so it says he gets up because of the man's persistence. Not because he wanted to in that moment, but the man's persistence to give him whatever he needs. And Jesus says these words in Luke eleven nine, 9. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, you'll find, knock, it'll be open. Everyone who asks, receives. To the one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, it'll be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of giving him a fish, will give him a serpent? Or what if what father among you, if a son asks for an egg, 
will give him a scorpion. And you're like, well, that's weird. What's that even analogy? He's like, if somebody asks for something good, why would you give them something bad? And he says these words, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the who? Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I don't care how you grew up. I don't care if you grew up Catholic or Reformed or Charismatic or Pentecostal or mainstream. This has nothing to do with any of those things. This is the promise that Jesus said is coming on all people. And here's what he's saying, church. Aaron, in your messed up state, you're a father, Aaron, in your messed up state, you're, you're an evil person in your messed up state, yet you still know how to give good gifts to your kids, don't you? You ask my kids, they say, yeah, I know how to. My dad gives us good gifts. He says, if you can do that, how much more of a good gift do you think I'm going to give to everybody? And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. You think you'll outgive me, Aaron, as a father? You'll never outgive me. So here's my prayer. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you've like, I've said yes to Jesus. I don't know that I've had this river of life bursting out of me. Then today I'm just gonna ask you to pray for the filling. And if you've been filled, more Lord, more Lord, more Lord. Amen. If you've already been filled, just more Jesus, more. And I'll tell you why you can pray that. In Ephesians 5, Paul's gonna say, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Here's how he's gonna liken it. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what he means by that. To be drunk means you have to continually drink. Because when you stop drinking, you're not drunk, you're sober. So he's gone. you're just like a drunk that just keeps drinking and drinking and drinking. He's like, don't do that with wine. Don't do that. Don't be drunk with wine, but keep drinking of the Holy Spirit. Keep pressing in. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. So church, here's, here's the deal. Today, let's just approach him like kids. What good father who gives good gifts to his children even though we may be evil? He's like, how much more will your heavenly father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? Let's approach him like kids. Altars open. Listen, if you're hungry and thirsty, you're like, I can't sit down. I can't sit down. You're hungry and thirsty, you wanna come. The altar's open, the cross is open. I know we're over time. I'm not gonna worry about it. Turn around in your chairs. You can make your chair an altar. Whatever, wherever you need to go. I'm praying, Father, fill us more and more and more and more. Jesus, we ask this in your name. I'm going to shut up now, Lord, and I'm going to let you, Holy Spirit, do what you do. Holy Spirit, come. When you're ready, church, you just start moving around wherever. You got to get in your chair and turn around. You got to stand. You got to move to the cross. You got to leave. I understand. You want to come to the altar. It's open. Jesus, more, more. We're going to have people come and pray over you up here at the front as well. If you've never felt that infilling, indwelling baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you want to come and hunger for it, just say more. Just more Jesus. Just more Jesus. If you're saying, I want more Jesus, I remember feeling that, I remember having that, but I'm praying for more. I'm praying for more. Thank you, Jesus. More Jesus. Tired of living the ordinary life more, Jesus. I don't want to live just a good life, Lord. I want rivers of living water coming out of me. I want rivers of living water affecting every single person around me. More, Jesus.
Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.